goal is if we can drive economic development, mm -hmm. if we can improve the education in the area, you know, those things are our goals. And then, uh, Lord willing, we can we can break even at that as well and continue to grow. Hello, you are listening to the Community Broadband Bits podcast from the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. I'm Lisa Gonzalez. Hey, happy April Fool's Day. Recently, Chris was in Raleigh, North Carolina. He was at a conference held by the Southeast Association of Telecommunications Officers and Advisors, also known as CTOA. In addition to receiving the 2014 Community Broadband Advocacy Award, he visited with Michael Four, President and CEO of the Georgia Communications Cooperative. GCC is one of the partners involved in deploying the North Georgia Network. The North Georgia Network was the first project to receive American Recovery and Reinvestment Act funds. Now GCC has its own network called Trailwave. That's a fiber network that provides last mile connectivity to residents and businesses. Cooperatives like GCC know the territory, they understand delivery challenges, and they have a special connection with customers. So in that regard, they play an important role in bringing together last mile and middle mile projects. Cooperatives are also owned and operated by those they serve, so business decisions are not always driven only by the desire to increase profits. When exploring plans to build local networks, cooperatives like GCC can be reliable partners. Here are Michael and Chris in Raleigh talking about life as a cooperative. Welcome to another edition of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. I'm Chris Mitchell, and today I'm speaking with Michael Four, President and CEO of the Georgia Communications Cooperative. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here, Chris. So we spoke with Paul Belk uh, in a previous episode, and he told us all about the North Georgia Network and how it uh, received some stimulus funding in order to um, become uh, be, begin delivering Internet access and providing some of those economic development activities. Uh, the Georgia Communications Cooperative is, is a part of the story we didn't get to. Uh, so can you tell me a little bit about what the GCC is? Sure. As, uh, as part of the NGN story, we had two electric co-ops that were heavily involved with starting and building the fiber that, that created the NGN rings that are now out there. And Georgia Communications Cooperative was birthed out of that process as well. It is a member-owned cooperative that serves areas outside of those two, ele two electrical co-op areas. Okay, so we have these, these two co-ops that were involved with the uh, NGN. And then the, they take care of everything that's happening within their territories, their electric territories. And you are able to connect uh, the areas that are nearby and could be served, uh, but aren't within those existing territories. That's correct. Outside of their territories, there were some schools, some core anchor institutes that we needed to get to, some, some small business hot pockets that have great opportunity for economic development, and we're able to take care of those areas. You're composed of uh, both co-ops and then also these other institutions that are taking um, uh, service from you, some of the schools and the libraries and that sort of thing. That's correct. There is, so NGN is a co-op itself, and then it has three cooperatives that are members of NGN, Blue Ridge Mountain EMC, Habersham EMC, and Georgia Communications Cooperative. Now all of my customers get the opportunity to become a member as well. And right now we've got about 60% of our customers that have chosen to be a member of the Georgia Communications Cooperative. One of the things that people often assume is that rural areas are really lagging behind in Internet access. I mean, I hear that you're actually charging $100 for a gigabit. Yeah, Habersham EMC just launched last week a gig to the home for ninety nine ninety five. That's a ripoff. 
<laughs> yeah, their other offering before that was 50 meg, and they, these are symmetrical. Uh, so 50 meg for 49.95. That's incredible. We were just before we started recording, we were talking about the the long legacy of co-ops and delivering uh, this necessary infrastructure in communities. It's been 75 years, you said. Uh, you said your anniversary of some of the co-ops in the region? Yeah, both Blue Ridge and Habersham EMC celebrated their 75th anniversary last year. So it's hard to believe just 75 years ago we were introducing power into these areas that now we're pushing gigabit connectivity over fiber. To. It's pretty incredible. And, and to have it down at $100 for a gigabit suggests to me that you have some really good backhaul, which is something that co-ops who have long been doing fiber to the home, they haven't always been able to count on. Is that because of the, the stimulus, the NGN being such a large network? Yeah, the stimulus, uh, part of the stimulus was that the fiber had to be built on a network that was 10 years forward thinking. So when they built the network, they built it with terrific equipment. And that gives us the ability to offer really unprecedented internet services to, to the area. And so what are your, your plans here? I understand you're not done. You're, you're working with other electric co-ops in the area that are, that are interested in expanding and perhaps getting involved in this sort of thing. Yeah, that's true. We've got, you know, Habersham EMC is continuing to grow. Blue Ridge is continuing to grow. But Georgia Communications Cooperative was actually created to sit on top of the network and look for other electrical co-ops within the state of Georgia who are interested in deploying or maybe using their existing fiber networks to benefit their communities and uh, drive economic development. So we can go in and work with those other co-ops and provide services throughout their area. The, the state of Minnesota is considering establishing a fund that would be available to make loans to co-ops uh, and try and help them to expand, whether it's a telephone co-op or perhaps some of the electric co-ops. We have one or two in Minnesota that have been doing fiber to the home. Would a program like that help the co-ops of Georgia to expand this high-quality Internet access? You know, that's a great point because when you get into the electrical co-ops, they have RUS funding that they can use to grow. Now, when you get into Georgia Communications Cooperative, who is designed different than an electrical co-op, I don't really have those funds to grow. So it's a lot You more can't just go out and borrow money. No, it's a lot more challenging. And when you're building fiber, having those funds available uh, to assist in, in getting the builds return on investments to those points would really be beneficial. So you said specifically the RUS funds are not available to you. Now, you could go out and borrow money from the private sector, but I'm guessing the private sector, a lot of the investors look at you just like any other entity, whereas a, a government program, a state program, or, or even a federal program would say, this is a co-op, we understand this, These, this is an entity that is going to stand the test of time and is going to um, provide the services that we need. And so that's where, in this case, I think some public funding would be helpful as opposed to just letting the market sort it out. Yeah, I think because the interest rates you can get that at... Um are, are lower and when you're trying to provide it in a co-op mentality for a lower price point really because your goal isn't to make as much but we're a we're a nonprofit the goal is if we can drive economic development mm -hmm. if we can improve the education in the area you know those things are our goals and then uh, Lord willing we can we can break even at that as well and continue to grow it it makes it challenging to invest you know twenty five thousand dollars a mile or whatever the number may be to, to continue to grow. Georgia has a uh, law that they passed that makes it easy to do equity funding, like you can get private equity funding groups created. And uh, if creating those, somehow getting those equity funding 
groups or that bucket available is really critical for a company like mine to continue to reach everybody that can really get value from what you have. We have so many small businesses and when we're charging uh, you know between fifty and hundred and seventy five dollars per month just depending on which package they're taking it's hard to quickly pay back any investment that was made so you need a longer term investment right that's the biggest challenge one of the things that I hear from rural communities sometimes is that they even they feel like maybe it's not feasible to do fiber to the home in rural areas maybe they should just stick with wireless now is that is that the case or can we connect everyone with a network that would be affordable and then I'll, I'll, I'll let you just answer for Georgia in the case of, is it possible to connect everyone in Georgia with a fiber network without breaking the bank? Uh, connecting everyone is a real stretch. I think that there's a, a, probably a mix, a hybrid solution that's going to make it feasible, more feasible to connect everyone. Because when you're dealing with eight to nine homes a mile in some areas, and some areas even less, just the cost of construction without some kind of subsidy to make that happen makes it practically unfeasible to do it uh, but we are looking at uh, some hybrid solutions up there and using hybrid solutions so just depending on the the foliage and the other terrain mm-hmm. issues in other areas where it's a lot flatter than it is in North Georgia wireless may be a great accent to a fiber network in our region it's extremely challenging because we have a lot of wooded and a lot of mountainous areas. And when you say wireless, uh, do you mean the wireless from Verizon 4, 4G LTE type of thing? Or are you talking about a more robust connection? Yeah, I'm talking more of a robust connection. We are. We're working with a company that was they're called Appalachian Broadband. Um, the parent company is Pathfinder Digital. They do Department of Defense wireless, so it's a high-grade wireless solution. They come to a meet-me point with our fiber, and they deploy, basically, it's like a wireless patch cord from our fiber to the home, so we can still provide high-bandwidth solutions right to the home. Minimum minimum service provide, uh, we're providing through them is 15 megabit symmetrical connections to the home. That's, that's really quite a lot for a, a wireless connection in rural America. A lot of WISPs, uh, the wireless internet service providers, are actually doing more around 1 or 2 megabits a second. So this is quite impressive then. Yeah, yes. We've, we've had a great response to it. And what is the difficulty of connecting uh, Georgia with, uh, with f- fiber everywhere? Uh, is it the ongoing cost or is it the capital cost of getting out there? The initial cost is really the biggest challenge. Uh, the NGN model that where we've worked with electrical co-ops I feel is a great model. The co-ops have great relationships. They're used to investing in their in their communities. They, in my experience, use the money wisely. So I think that's a great model and we see through that model that really just a one-time investment it can make some terrific things happen versus ongoing investments where you have to keep the company alive by uh, continuing to pour revenue into it year after year. 
the, the universal service fund model has been one of every year you need to put more money into it and more money into it. And quite honestly, when you look at some of these big private companies, they don't provide the same level of service to rural communities as the co-ops do. We see them often taking that money and giving it to shareholders and things like that, whereas, well, in some ways, the co-ops are doing the same thing. You're just doing it by delivering great services. <laughs> That's right. Our members are our shareholders. So the goal is to not charge them any more than we need to and give them the best products and services that we can. What's the most interesting thing about serving this area of Georgia uh, with this approach? Well, I think uh, some of the most significant things we've been able to do is we're providing gig to the schools, which they didn't have before. We've seen the, the competitive pricing just change dramatically since we've entered the market, uh, and the quality of services had to improve. So we're also offering a 10-gig private exchange to the schools, which is allowing them to share resources unlike they've ever been able to do before. So we're, we're challenging the schools to tear down the barriers that they've lived in for so long by having slow internet or no internet, really, and look at how they can share resources in order to benefit the children, in order to benefit the budgets, and really offer education like they've, they've never been able to do it before. Excellent. In some ways, I think we all look forward to the time 75 years from now when most people have no sense of how hard it was to get it started and right. they just reap the benefits. Yes. Yes. Thank you for coming on the show. Well, thank you for having me. You can learn more about the Georgia Communications Cooperative at gcc.coop. We've also written about the North Georgia Network on muninetworks.org, so be sure to check out what we've written. Let us know about topics that interest you or if there are guests you feel we should interview. Write to us at podcast at muninetworks.org. You can follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at Community Nets. This show was released on April 1st, 2014. Thank you to the group Valley Lodge for their song, Sweet Elizabeth, licensed using Creative Commons. Have a great day.